Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. I am Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours. Uh, Marissa Companion is back. Uh, this is the third time Marissa has been on here. Marissa is a painter and artist who uh, is a huge inspiration for me. Uh, and... Um, yeah, I always enjoy my chats with Marissa, and they have a new show coming up um, that we talk about a little bit. We talk about a whole bevy of different things, but I, I always enjoy having Marissa on the podcast, and um, yeah, I always learn a lot from talking with them, so I hope you enjoy this conversation with me and Marissa Companion. gonna be in my little booklet that I'm making for the show so cool that's a that's, that's a perfect way to start it off because I was gonna ask you about the show don't have to do the the normal normal chit chit chat necessarily having people on this because this is the third time this is the third time yeah, yeah. yeah. it's pretty exciting you're you're in an elite group of, I, think, <laughs> I think you're number five for third timers no, so I'm, I feel very lucky. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you always taking the time to talk to me. Well, we always have good conversations. For sure. For sure. So, um, this is the quote. The self doesn't exist. Instead, you constantly shape multiple selves by Brian Lowry. So, he is a um, social psychologist. Yeah. And um, I think about that quote in relation to the work that I've been making. Yeah. And the idea of like the self as an author mm-hmm. using pictures or selfies that you take. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, so the show that you're talking about, uh, when does it open? And sure. Yeah. Um, the opening is October 14th. Yeah. It's at Danforth Museum of Art mm-hmm. um, in Framingham, Mass. And it's from 6 to 8. That's when it opens. Yeah. Right and it will be going on until January. Cool. Yeah. How many, uh, how many pieces will you have in there? Um, 21. So 15 paintings and yeah. 6 photographs. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you've been, uh, it's, it's been interesting. I mean, I always, uh, I was thinking about this today, uh, because, you know, I get to see a lot of your art, and, you know, through social media. And, you know, you said, it's funny, because I have a friend that is not on social media, but I send him pretty much everything that I do. And that's sort of where I kind of lost my hesitation of should I post this, should I not, as far as, like, artwork. Because I post everything, even mm-hmm. if it's something that I 
don't particularly like or whatnot. Because I started sending him everything, and you know, I would get, you know, at his request. Um, but he always gives me a ton of feedback. Um, uh, but I, I, I thought about like that relationship, and then like Jill send me stuff quite often, which I actually really, really enjoy. And I always feel like I'm not giving like great feedback, but I, I'm like, I don't know, like I'm always, I, I'm always very appreciative of, of you sending it to me, but also like just kind of seeing your work and your, and you know, because you'll, you'll post a lot of stuff in stages like work yeah, in progress. Yeah, work in like progress. That. Yeah. Uh, well, you've been one of my longtime supporters, so that's part of the reason that I would send it to you because you always kind of give me, um, you know, the go-to and insight on some of my stuff. So it's nice. It's nice to have that. Well, you've long been one of my favorite artists, but I also, it's, it's funny because there's been artists that, you know, I mean, obviously there's artists that I appreciate that never met, you know, died before I was born, so right. on and so forth, but, you know, I have a unique opportunity of not only, like, having met you, but, you know, know you and have, you know, an ongoing conversation with, and, like, I was just like, it, it's cool that one of my favorite artists is also a really great human being as well, too, oh, so, um, yeah, but it's, it, it is cool, because we, um, I don't have that many... I feel like I don't have that many contemporaries that I have open conversations about the process and stuff like that. You know, not that not that I lament that or anything, but it, it is nice to, to have that relationship with you, so I definitely appreciate that. Well, I enjoy seeing your work, too, all the oh, time, because you're always posting stuff. And it's interesting to see the evolution of where you started and where you're going with your work. Yeah. Um, and just how you kind of transition with the different type of paint you use or even the surfaces. Yeah. So yeah. I find that interesting. Like, I saw some pieces where you did them on wood. And that yeah. Was, that was an interesting take. That was, it was funny, that was, um, I have a friend who's a carpenter, and um, she does, um, and I've tried to get her on here, but she's just like, she's like I'm not that interested. I'm just like, oh, okay. My my whole criteria for asking someone to be on this podcast is I think they're someone interesting. So I'm just like, if anyone else does, that's a bonus. But it's this is a very selfish podcast. It's just people first and foremost that I want to talk to. But anyway, she had worked on some job and had all this extra wood pieces left over, and she's like, "Do you want me to cut these up into pieces that you can paint on? Because I'm just gonna." It's a very specific type of wood that I don't normally use, and, and I was like, sure. So I've had three giant Rubbermaid bins full of wood panels for a while, and some of the stuff that I've done in the last like six months, I was like, I, I've been for for a few weeks now. I've been trying to do like been doing this exercise drawing hands because hands. Yeah, I saw that. Tough. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I've done some watercolor, some acrylic, and I was like, ah, maybe I'll try it on, try it on wood. I, I paint a lot of hands. 
Yeah. You're good. You're, you're good at hands too. Um, they're tricky for me. Yeah. Still, it depends on the picture. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard to see. Yeah. The hand where I'm drawing or painting from. Yeah. Uh, but I do kind of sometimes like to make them look a little alien, yeah. not look a hundred percent realistic, kind yeah. of over emphasize like the bones and the knuckles yeah. and parts of um, the skin. I've been like there's, there's a couple artists that I follow on Instagram that like the hands are what stuck out to me and that's sort of like because I, I, I a lot of pictures that people send me to paint are selfies and a lot of times yeah. they're selfies in mirrors so inevitably there's the hand holding the phone so it's like my paintings <laughs> sure sure but but inevitably I end up you know I've ended up painting more hands than I normally do you yeah. know because like a lot particularly my portrait work is usually like focused on the face yep. um so a lot of times they'll end up being being that way um, so I was like uh, it's always the part that was the trickiest so I was like alright if I'm having this much trouble with it let's work on hands let's practice yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and that's kind of how I get ideas for like series and stuff it's just okay what what am I not good at well then let's work on it which is funny because I've never like pretty much any other aspect of my life when something's difficult like that I'm like ah I'll just avoid it then yeah. or do something else but I don't know I, I art is the only thing where I'm just like alright I need to work on this thing right yeah um, I've noticed that you've been You've, you've been revisiting some older pieces. Yeah, um, I had some mental health issues yeah. the past year, yeah. and um, I felt like my style actually had. I was dealing with some very intense anxiety problems, yeah. and um, I felt like my style had changed once I was kind of able to on from some of that yeah. and I wanted to redo the paintings to where I can actually give it more attention than I was able to before yeah. because when I was painting that last year a lot of the work was done very quickly I didn't even bother to do black and white underground because I was just mentally in a different place which is interesting that it affects your work so much when you're like that it's sort of expected I guess but um, yeah it, it inspired me to try something new and see where it goes and I'm kind of I'm enjoying where the style is shifting now so I'm moving forward with it yeah nice do you um, did you have specific pieces that you're like oh, I need to revisit that yes you did yeah yeah I was just like no I can do this better yeah. or in the way that I see it in my mind versus yeah. how it was actually executed yeah, yeah definitely I it's interesting I've done well I've had like I think my my style particularly like I do animals on black mm -hmm. canvas that style has evolved over like the last 10 years and it hasn't been a conscious thing but 
piece that I did, and I'll try and recreate it, like, because it's, it's definitely raw, yeah. um, and less refined, which there are things I like about that, that, like, when I try and recreate it, I just can't quite, like, I, I tend to do too much to it, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's interesting how our styles evolve kind of uh, even like without our without our going in kind of out of, out of our control. It, it really is. I mean, I think there's a part of me where I could go back to the other styles and I do find myself um, resurfacing some of my old styles in my paintings. Like, like I did a lot of swirls for a while in some of my work and every so often I find that coming right back. It's it just is a part of me. Um, but as far as like overall technique and precision, um, it's it changes uh, mainly out of my control based on my mental state. Really, um, I have like the same thing with handwriting. My handwriting changes with my mental state. So it's, yeah, I yeah, I'm not really sure exactly. Means <laughs> or if it's good, <laughs> but that's what happens. I, I mean, I've, I found some writing of life from high school. You know, as I've been like decluttering and going through stuff, and my handwriting was definitely very different then. But I also feel like I'm a very different person. Right. You know, yeah. thirty years ago. So that, I mean, I guess it makes sense. It would, I guess it would almost be creepy if it was the exact same. Like, it would be a little weird, yeah. probably. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, and the way, because your body creates and sheds cells every seven years. I mean, some it's more often than not, but some it's like basically every seven years you have all new cells. So it's it's weird to think about the fact that you're a completely different person, like physically. Yeah, and I think that. Even the fact that it can be uh, proven scientifically is the same as it can be philosophically. Yeah. Like that idea of that quote that I read where you're changing yourself, like you're constantly reevaluating how you are. And I think when you're taking photographs of yourself, selfies, or if you're having people photograph you, there's this relationship of how do I appear? Who am I? In this uh, way that you're addressing that within the world and yeah. what you think the world's going to think of you, what you think of yourself. Um, and there's just so many components in the everyday that makes people shift and, and really evolve to something else. Yeah. Um, not to say that you can't hold on to the pieces of the past parts of yourself. I think it's just part of that evolution of time. Yeah. And 
I find that really fascinating. I also find really fascinating just our relationship to social media, to having control over your image. Like saying this is exactly how I want to appear. I'm taking control by using the phone to take the picture versus someone else photographing me. Or if someone else is photographing me, being like this is exactly how I want to engage and I want it to appear in this kind of self-love aspect. And I think that's the um, overall concepts that I've been working with. I also have been um, painting a lot of self-portraits for a long time. And that for me is this evolution series for myself. I call it self-evolving. So sort of like kind of documenting just my who I've been over time and just those changes. Um, So yeah, these are sort of the subjects I've been working with currently. I've always really enjoyed seeing your self-portrait. I mean, I think it's interesting seeing an artist self-portrait anyways, particularly someone who, you know, paints people so often to kind of, you know, because you're seeing, I'm seeing how you see yourself. Right. It's, you know, very interesting, especially, you know, because you're someone that I've painted three or four times. Yeah, you painted me. Right, right. I was like, oh, 
this is what I would like to do this person or whatever. Right. And I was like, so when my stepfather told me this, I was like, ah, I can, I can certainly relate to that. Yeah. I think there's also an element of when you're painting someone, it doesn't always come out exactly how you see them. It's just how your hand sees them sure. in some ways. Because yeah. there's been times where I've painted and I'm like, I don't really see them this way. But this is for some reason, maybe it's a subconscious way I'm seeing them. Right. I don't know. And But I go with it because it just feels right or it makes sense for what I'm trying to do. Sure. I mean, sometimes it also irks me to the point where I'm like, no, I need to change this. This isn't... <laughs> right. But... Yeah, it is interesting how that happens and people have sensitivities or or on the other side where they really enjoy it. So yeah. you can kind of go either way. And I don't think I ever have the intention of hurting anybody's feelings with their portraits. Um, I do recognize that some people can be sensitive about it. I mean, I'm a sensitive person too, so I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and well, and that's the, I mean, we are such a kind of obsessed yeah. culture that you know and you know going back to what you were saying about social media like yeah. we all to varying degrees try and try and you know curate our own presentation to exactly yeah so I guess become social well it has become socially acceptable to share that information to the world whereas like 23 years ago yeah. <laughs> it sounds like so long now it is yeah. so like 2000 like no one would ever do that yeah like it just wouldn't have been part of like it was like you don't share your phone number or your address like you don't share all this extra information about yourself it was yeah. like that's bad yeah. but now it's like we're in this totally other environment where yeah. it's like this is normalized to be sharing personal information personal um, photos and videos and what we eat on the daily and what yeah. we do it's just I don't think that makes it bad at all I just think it's a cultural shift that we have to think about and what it really means and I think a lot of times people think selfies or um, posting yourself online they get just, they get frustrated by it or they're, they're like oh, I hate when people do that but actually it's really empowering for people yeah um, it's like you said it's like self-curating 
how you appear in your feeds um, and your your images that you share to others. So I don't. I think looking at the bad side of it is the easy way. I think everyone can say, well, this isn't good because it's this new way of of communicating and working. But it's harder to really think, well, what is actually happening? Like, what does this actually mean? And yes, there is an element of being really interested in yourself. But I think there's been so much time where people have been told not to be interested in themselves, particularly women in LGBT community, that we're not, you know, equal or just having some kind of discrepancy. And I think now it's like, well, screw that. We are equal. We are interesting. We have ourselves to share. And it doesn't matter what our bodies look like or how we um, dress or what we do with our hair and makeup or whatever our look is. It's like, this is who I am and I'm proud to be who I am. And I think that's really something that we should be happy is happening versus hiding our existence, which was such a huge part of the 90s when people were changing people about uh, their bodies would shame women for just anything really Um, and there was no like LGBT there was some LGBT community but it wasn't like it is today it wasn't as open and um, yeah I feel like those are things we need to embrace um it's not to say that we shouldn't look at the dark side of things too and be blind. It's just that we need to look at it from all angles. Yeah. We need to have a discourse around subject. I mean, there is this relationship of gender performance too, right? Because there's, and also social ideology performance because there's, in some ways there's, um, we have like a subconscious expectation in our mind of like what we think we need to appear like sometimes too. Yeah. And I think that's something to take into account. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing either. It's just something that we should be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Because, I mean, again, I, I I would agree with you. I think just focusing on the negative aspects of social media is it's kind of lazy and dismissive. It is. Um, it's also most of the time. I've noticed at least in the last year or so, a lot of the people that kind of talk about that and be like, oh, you know, people overshare, you know, it's it's not great for people, are also people saying, oh, everyone's too woke, everyone's this, which is just a, I, I feel it's like, it's a lazy way of kind of dismissing rather than saying, oh, well, you know, we're acknowledging everyone's voice. Right. Now, like, I, I don't know, the idea of, like, 
this is such a stupid, yeah, stupid, it is. primitive idea. I'm just like, <laughs> like uh, I don't know. I, uh, I feel like it's a. I feel like now it's been used as a word of shame from the um, right. Sure. Where it's like, oh, you're woke. You know, it's it's like this insult that they're making. But I don't think it. To me, it, semantically or um, semiotically, I mean, it's not a word that I want to like put as the identifier for. Um, things that have to do with change. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, it's funny. I mean, even now, like, recently, this has happened twice in the last month, someone referred to me as a liberal, like, using it as an, like, like as they were an trying insult. to insult me, and they're like, you like some kind of liberal? And I was like, yeah, very much so. Yeah. And they're like, oh, geez. And I was like, okay. I mean, you know, these were someone that I work with, so I was like, alright, it doesn't really matter, I don't have to interact with you all, yeah. you know, in, in my private life, but I mean, I, I I do think we're in the midst of a real title change where uh, a lot of the way previous generations have behaved or misbehaved um, towards other people is going away, yeah. but it's also they're fighting it tooth and nail, you know, fighting the change tooth and nail, and I think it's going to be interesting, you know, 20, 25 years from now, looking back at this time. I mean, I, I look at when I was in high school, uh, the fact that people were shamed I know. for, yeah. you know, where it's, I, I feel for the most part, is such a non-issue with generations coming up now. Right. And, and it's, if anything... Well, in most communities. I think yeah. there's still a lot of communities where it is a problem. For sure. We're for sure. lucky where we are. Sure, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we live in the relatively liberal yeah. Northeast. But yeah, it, I mean, it, 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 and of course, I... I always recognize that my perspective is from a place of privilege being, right. you know, cisgender, you know, white male who, you know, middle class and just, which I try and remind myself of, but also remind my peers when they kind of pipe up and be like, oh man, I can't, I, I'm getting tired of people talking about this, this, and this, and I'm just like, yeah, but so many people have not had their voices heard up until right. pretty recently and also like great white men like historically we've done some really shitty stuff so maybe it's time to just shut up for a minute and listen to what other people have yeah. to say yeah give people um, a platform right. to communicate on I think yeah definitely it's important so what are what's what's the name of your show? Is that right? Performative reality. Okay. Um, and you said you also have some photographs. I do. Well. Yeah. Are they? Because I know that you've done like performance pieces in the past. They're performance piece. Okay. Um, photographs. So they're film stills from the performances that gotcha. I've done. Gotcha. Yeah. What's uh, 
like what was the time frame? Like, is that something that you've done? I know it's something you've done in the past. Are these from more recent ones? Are they from ones in the past? Or I'm trying to remember when the last one I did. The last one I did was in 2001. I'm actually going to be doing another one soon. Um, yeah. So there, a lot of them are from earlier, yeah. but they mainly pertain to um, either like my expression of dealing with mental health issues is one of the subject matters and then the other one other group of performances kind of have to do with my relationship with um, Hollywood films and my experience with interpreting that information and having this kind of Hollywood sensibility with how I want to um, live my life like you want to kind of have this existence like in this fictional um, story or this narrative yeah. and playing that out which is ridiculous really but we've been fed these ideas so much for yeah. so long in Hollywood films oh, yeah. and I'm not once again it's not like I'm, I'm shaming that or saying that's bad I am just as much addicted to it as other people are yeah. and it's sort of like a looking at that like it's, it's me embracing that in these films and these performances but also like when I look back at them having like a slight critical eye on how we try to reinterpret our feelings about like a, like usually it's a certain film or a scene like I did one that was like um, my interpretation of how I feel with like John Goodard films I did one that was like roughly based on in my mind it didn't actually look that way but I was thinking more about like Judy Garland Wizard of Oz um, or even like I'd say like um Victorian timepieces something like that and the, I've done one that had to do with like uh, like the 50s like, um, I was thinking a lot about atomic bombs and uh, in the relationship with that with microwaves yeah. which is totally like out of there out there but I was thinking about that and then um Oh man, and now I'm like totally spacing on the movie, but um, Doctor Strange Love, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That, w that was sort of like an inspiration in my mind. I was thinking a lot about that film. Um, and the one I'm going to be doing soon, I haven't done yet, is I'm calling that one Aging Lolita. So it's sort of my relationship to having been sexualized so much when I was younger and now being a woman that well, I, I go by woman but I'm also go by non-binary. I'm yeah. kind of like this like mishmash. <laughs> but being who I am at this point in my life and being someone that's aging it's it's like there's still a part of me that's like holding on to this idealized male gaze performance yeah. um, but also not wanting to do that and being pissed off about it yeah. um, and I am 
kind of pissed, like I am pissed off about it. I am pissed off about having been that when I was younger and being treated like an object when I was like 12, 13. Like, being looked upon by people and kind of sexualized. Um, so that's sort of what that project's gonna be about. Interesting. Yeah. I had, a, I had a conversation over coffee with a longtime friend, you know, someone I went to, which is someone I went to junior high school with and we remained friends for, you know, four decades now. But she was, you know, she's a year older than me and was talking about, she has two teenage daughters now. She said she actually found real, real comfort in sort of aging out of the male age. She's like, I, she's like, I feel a lot more comfortable like traveling alone now. Yeah. She's like, because I've sort of, I'm, I'm in the background to most people now. And she's like, I, but she's hyper aware of her, the, the focus on her, her younger daughter is 16 and now has the attention of, yeah. you know, all different ages of people. Uh, and, uh, She's aware of it, but her younger daughter's even more aware of it. She's mm -hmm. like, hey, this person's being a creep. Look at that. This yeah. person's being a creep. So, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting it's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's just something that I um, wanted to explore. I'm sure I'll have some more coming up in the future. It's just, I kind of took a break from painting myself and doing performances for a while because I was so stuck inside myself when I was dealing with my um, panic disorder yeah. that I was like, I don't want anything to do with myself for a while and painting people right. and forget about any of that stuff. So, um, but I'm slowly kind of coming back to wanting to do some more with that. Yeah. Do you... Do you like for your for your process? Like, do you have like a backlog of ideas and stuff you yes. want to work in? Yeah. Yeah. It, does it? Is it obvious? And like, how well, no, I, I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just curious because for myself, I have like as soon as I get an idea, I have to like make some sort of note. Like, if I can't start working on it right now. Yeah. And it, there's this almost like panic that I'm gonna lose yep. that mm -hmm. that little kernel of whatever it is if I don't at least start on it. Yeah. Yeah, I collect so I'm kind of exhausting the whole idea of selfies for a little while, probably till the end of maybe the spring, and then I'm just gonna transition to one of three other projects. <laughs> like either go back to doing some self-portraits um, or working on this new project that I haven't really figured out what exactly it's about yet. Yeah. Um, it feels sort of like connected to a lot of my projects still dealing with gender um, in specific femininity, um, which I think 
can be anybody, you know, I don't think that's exclusive to, like, a woman. Like, I think anyone can have feminine energy. Just, um, I tend to only paint women and people of LGBT community. I, not because I have anything specifically against cis men. It's just that I don't connect as much. Sure. So, I think if there was the right situation, I would. I just haven't had an experience that's really felt like the right situation. Like, I feel like I should paint my husband at some point. Because <laughs> I don't have any paintings of him, and I think I will. Yeah. I just. Have you I just ever painted him? No, I haven't. Right? I know, and I haven't photographed him either. Yeah. It's just so weird because, like, in my past, you know, I did a lot of. Well, I photographed him just casually, like when we take pictures together, just yeah. little portraits, but not like, oh, this is my artistic portrait of him. But like in my past, like um, when I was an undergrad and a grad student, like my background's mainly in photography. I've only taken like two painting classes. Like I've, I'm primarily self-taught. Um, but when I was back then, I did like a whole project of me and my ex-boyfriend when we were like 19 and um, it's really weird to look back on it but it's also like I'm really glad I did it because it makes me think of how much I've changed yeah. and then like what that was it's weird yeah. and I have a lot of portraits I did of friends during that time so I was using a 4x5 camera um, to take you know large images of but, yeah, he was a real pain in the ass for Really? Oh, my God. Oh, it was so. awful. Like, he had no patience for taking pictures. Yeah. And he just wasn't... In some ways, that wasn't a bad thing because it forced him to kind of, like, let go of, like, this picture face, but to try to maybe somehow be sort of himself-ish. Yeah. But <laughs> it was just, like... I hated it the whole time. Yeah. But now I have the pictures, so I guess it's cool. <laughs> I know some people really love them. They've seen them and they're like, oh my god, these are amazing. And yeah. I'm just like, this is weird. I was like 19. Right. But back then I was really looking at um, close relationships, like my family and friends yeah. and what those relationships meant um, and how they were how that time period in my life existed. So I was really time-capsuling this moment, which in some ways is really cool that I have that. Yeah. Like, I have all these memories from there recorded in these, like, thoughtful photographs. Yeah. Um, but then I, I started to switch gears, and I that's when I started to really get into gender identity and performance and performing gender um, through photographs, like photographing what that looks like to me. Yeah. And then also, you know, people that I, I meet and sort of how that plays out with color. That's when I started really thinking about like pinks and um, light blues and light purples 
rainbows and all these kind of colors that sort of have been thought to identify as femininity, um, which is something I've, I've carried on to my paintings, yeah. is using this color palette. I also just love this color palette because I, you know, growing up with Barbie and, um, you know, My Little Pony right. and um, Gem. <laughs> And all these 80s cartoons and, and toys that we were exposed to with all these colors, it's just shaped how I envision. Yeah. Um, so it, it plays out to what I want. And then everything that I, I do now, um, painterly, is not only about using those colors, but also like creating these giant like contrasts with the colors, yeah. like really um, making them pop. Like I, it's almost like I know I can see the subtlety if I left it without the high contrast, but I really want to see it. Like yeah. I need it to be punchy. Yeah. Like I don't want it to be subtle. Yeah. Because the figure is looking at you. Like that's already not subtle. Right. right. <laughs> So I need to like kind of make it almost uncomfortable to be looking. Just go for it. Yeah. Yep. It's funny. Uh, I, as you were talking about color, I because purple is a color that I associate with you and your art, uh, which I didn't even realize we were talking about. But I was like, because I see purple and particularly like almost like a lavender mm -hmm. shade. But then I was thinking like so many artists that I know I like associate a particular color with them like with their art in general so it was interesting when I was like yeah I definitely like associate purple with you a lot so yeah, yeah I, my curator for um, Danforth um, associates my work with purple too because yeah. one of the walls is going to be a purple color and then the other one's going to be lime yeah so Nice. Nice. <laughs> so she also associates it. Maybe it's my like purple rain uh, <laughs> connection. Well, it, it incorporates two colors I really enjoy in my work. Is like that intense blue color, and then like a pink red color. So it's sort of like connecting all of them. I also really enjoy like a really intense um, chartreuse color. Yeah. Um, that's probably one of my favorite colors. Um, but yeah, I, I, I go crazy when I find new paints that I love the colors of. Yeah. I, I really enjoy searching for certain colors I can mix and see what happens with. Yeah. Sometimes I use them right out of the bottle. I know that's like a big faux pas in like painting. Like there's so many that are like, you're not supposed to do this. And I'm like, whatever. I don't care. There's, <laughs> there's so many you're not supposed to do that I I've done that. I'm just like, I've long been okay with the fact that I'm like, I'm never going to do it right. Yeah. Whatever. It's, I don't know, it's trying to, trying to do everything the way you're supposed to, like, not just creatively, but in life, uh, is exhausting. So I'm just like, point in my life, I've got more asphalt behind me than ahead of me, so I'm just gonna, you know, try and 
keep pursuing the things that make me happy. And you know, if if someone's along for the ride, cool. If not, that's okay too. I don't really care. Yeah, I think. And I, you know, there's so many different schools of thought with art. So many, and I think there's people that are like, whatever, do whatever you want to do with art. Um, it's really about you creating your own look, right? Yeah. It's not about following the school of traditional art making or conceptual art making or whatever school of art making that you come up with that you learn when you're in college or grad school and you almost have to relearn when you come out because you are kind of structured to be a certain way when you go to school um, I mean it is what it is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wrong with that. I just think that sometimes it's better to just do whatever you do. And I think when you're self-taught too, you're like not following the rules to begin with. Right. You're learning them on your own. So it's, there's a whole different relationship to yeah. whatever you're making or doing. I'm, it's funny because I went, I was an art major for one year and then school years later but not for art so I don't have a lot of the like foundations that you're supposed to have um, which you know I was kind of like embarrassed of for a while but I also I feel like I have developed my own style or my own styles over a while where if I had done the, you know the education the way you're supposed to do it Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I have I have a couple um, contemporaries who, you know, actually one guy I went to junior high and high school with who is, you know, is a full-time illustrator now, and his stuff is very precise, and it's, it's excellent. He's a great artist, but I also, like, there's a, there's kind of a, sameness like it, it's it's really good and precise but it also I don't know to me it doesn't have much character to it like it and, and I think that's why he gets hired for a lot of stuff right. that he does because it, it has a look that they're yeah for, right but, yeah exactly yeah. and uh he won't listen to this anyway so I won't be hurt <laughs> but I'm not gonna name him anyway but um because he did he, he did this thing for uh for several years where like he worked for them but one of the projects that they did was for their um, employee ID badges rather than using a photograph he would do an illustration of each new employee and like basically once they were hired he had two weeks to, to do it and this is a place that employed like So he's, wow. you know, he showed me a lot of the ones that he had done. Wow. And he's like, it, I was like, that's kind of cool, but it, it, they all look like comic book characters. It, which, you know, if I worked there, I'd be like, that's a pretty, that's kind of a that cool little thing. Yeah. Have. But, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know where that thought came from. Oh, well, no, it's I okay. I hope they're, I don't wonder if they're closing. I'm, I'm about to find out. Um, you, you brought up. Oh, 
Oh yeah, I think they are. They're like true. <laughs> yeah, they're probably closing. six questions that I have. We, I mean, we can go in, in my car and finish the conversation. Do you want to do that? Yeah, that's sure. fine. All right, we're paused. Sure, because I was like, they're doing a lot of cleaning. Yeah. And I hope we're well, not keeping them. It's tough to tell because they have, apparently they don't have a back room because they just have everything stacked yeah. right there. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure. I don't, oh, yeah, I don't like sure. to keep people long at their jobs. Oh, for sure, know? for sure. I hate that. Well, <laughs> it's funny because I my previous job at Trader Joe's, you know, I worked uh, I, I worked night shift. Um, it's not overnight, but you know, we we're there till eleven o'clock. Right. But we would never kick people out who were shopping late. But, you know, once we were closed, we'd start working, like, putting the truck away and stuff like that. And sometimes there would be people shopping there, like, 20, 30 minutes afterwards, and we weren't allowed to say anything to them. Wow. Uh, which I get on the one hand, because that's sort of like on brand with Trader Joe's, but it was also yeah. like, I was like, this is actually like a, a safety hazard sometimes, because we'd be like, have everything sprawled yeah. out in the middle of the aisle, and they're trying to get around it, but... But I'm also like, be, be aware of your surroundings. Like, if I go to, if I go into any business after six o'clock at night, I like check to see what the right. hours are. I'm like, am I coming in in the last three minutes that you're opening? Forcing people to yeah. keep open. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just common decency. Yeah. I mean, in a past life, I was. Um, a shoe manager, actually. Yeah. Um, when I was in my early 20s, before I went to graduate school. And, um, yeah, I would, it would drive me crazy when people would come in, like, right before you closed. And yeah. I would, like, start vacuuming yes. <laughs> and trying to get signals that yeah. were closing. But some people just, they didn't care. And then other people would be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And, um, but I always, like, keep that in the back of my mind where I'm like... I don't want to do that to anybody. Yeah. You know? I, it's funny because I definitely don't want to do that, but then the flip side of it is, and this is like, I totally recognize this as a me issue. If I go into a place and it's the last 20 minutes, I'm thinking specifically of like Hannaford, uh, they will keep making announcements that they're like, hey, oh, yeah, yeah. in 10 minutes. And I'm like, rude. Because I'm like, that's basically them being like, hey, get out. Uh, <laughs> like come on but especially because if i'm there at like 10 minutes of 10 and you know because they're usually open till 10 o'clock at night too i'm like i'm literally just coming in to grab the two things i have to have yeah before tomorrow but i uh i actually said that to someone i think it was michael's or something i i walked in and there was still 20 minutes before they and I walked in, and the person was staying in the front. I was like, hey, and they're like, hey, just so you know, we close in 20 minutes. So I just got rude. Because, <laughs> you know, I was like, that's fine to get that information across, but I, like, literally was just like, hello there, and they couldn't even respond. Yeah, they to couldn't that. be. But, yeah, I think um, if 
here 20 minutes like I, what would bother me is if, if it's closed and you're still hanging out sure. or you're coming in right when we lock the door and then it's like right before or something right. and then you spend 45 minutes you know like that sure. type of stuff that, yes. that's when I'm like no yeah. that's really not okay yeah, yeah. it's I don't know I think again going back to social media now more than ever we're aware of how our actions can impact other people in every aspect of life but I also think as a result people seem to be getting more and more callous to other people's feelings Yeah. Uh, I mean it's not across the board but I think my perception of it, but it seems like in general people are becoming more and more selfish. Like they're like, well this is what I want to do, so this is this is what I'm doing. I don't I know that this isn't necessarily the best thing to do, but this is what I'm doing because this is what I want to do. Um I think there's definitely pieces of that for sure. Yeah. Um I don't know. I mean I think there is elements of that where people can can be kind of selfish sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I haven't really... Yeah, I, I think so. I just haven't really thought about it too much. Um, not because I don't think it exists. It definitely exists. I know some people like that. I'm sure I do it sometimes, too. Everyone has moments where you have to kind of look back and be like, oh, that wasn't my best self. Right. <laughs> you know? It might just be, again, because of social media that I'm just more aware of it happening. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been happening my entire life. I've just sort of, if it wasn't in my direct line of sight, so to speak, I didn't notice it where now I can see stuff, you know, across the country or across the world. Right. You know, where, you know, I didn't necessarily, wasn't necessarily privileged. Where people are being rude or doing something not really kind to someone else. Yeah. 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 It's so complicated. People are so complicated. I get so overwhelmed sometimes with all the different ways of looking at human nature and behavior that... I can have a strong belief in something and then if someone has a really good argument I can kind of be like oh I can see that too sure. and then, <laughs> then I go right back to being like I'm not sure what I think anymore because <laughs> I just have I mean it's like being in what are we now like post postmodern right. but I think it's just part of that relationship of now we're looking at things from all these different perspectives and we're letting people have um, a say in a, a voice and bringing their culture and identity to what we do and how we act and how we look at things um, versus us deciding, oh, this is going to mean this and that's it. Yeah. Like it's it just makes things better, but also more way more complicated. For sure. <laughs> well, way more complicated. I mean, it's sort of the whole spirit of, I mean, the name of this podcast is, this is my truth, tell me yours, which is like, I I mean, and that's not, that, that is not an original thought of mine, I completely stole that from Manic Street Preacher's album, but that statement always stuck with me about like, like, 
have beliefs, but be open to other people's experiences and ideas and try and, you know, take, take it in, you know, because inevitably it's going to change some of your thoughts, but also, you know, some stuff will stick with you. Um, I don't know. I look at how I, you know, hear the phrase all the time, well, that's not how you were raised. And I was like, yeah, but so much of how I was raised, I don't agree with. Right. Uh, just like, yeah, that's part of being an adult is taking in information and, you know, filtering out what is right and wrong to you and, you know, making right. it your own. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. For sure. I, I mean, I, I, I get frustrated and also a little wary of people who have the same religious and political and social uh, ideas and beliefs that their parents have. Yeah. I mean, it's okay if, you know, you kind of went out into the world and experienced stuff and kind of come back to that and be like, no, this is what makes the most sense for me. But people are like, no, this is how I was raised and I know this is the best way. And I'm like, you don't, that, that's not an analytical way of looking at it. Yeah, like not being able to explore other ideas and thoughts, um, kind of limiting when that happens. But I also, I've, as I've gotten older, I've realized not everyone has, I mean, I'm, I'm a classic overthinker anyways. Mm-hmm. I over-process and over-analyze everything, but not everyone has a strong you know, internal dialogue about every single aspect of the life. It's just like, oh, I was told this when I was 10. That makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's how I look at this, you know, not like, oh, I need to reevaluate that. So, yeah, I mean, it's true. People have different, I, I live with OCD, so I, um, I'll like overanalyze things. I mean, I also, OCD is complicated because you have a lot of thoughts that you can't get out of your head and it's yeah. really, can be really detrimental and not great. But I definitely overthink a lot of things or I'll get really stuck on one thing for a long time and it'll be really hard. So like, it's kind of like being analytical, but it's also kind of just this like obsessive cycle sure. of like, I, I will, it'll happen to me when I paint too. Like I'll see something in the painting and I'm like, it's not right. It's not right. And I'll like have to go in there and then I'll like think about it and think about it. And I can't get this like intrusive thought out of my head about this aspect of this painting. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have to like, Tim says, he calls me, he says it's a reboot he has to do for me where he has to like help me be removed from the situation for a little bit and yeah. like do something else for a day or two. Yeah. He's like, I got to reboot you like a computer because <laughs> you're stuck in like a little cycle. Like right. when the, you know, like when Apple had the wheel and it would just keep going. Yeah. Like that was, that's what I am basically. That's That's at 
least on paper, essentially a two-hour ad for a toy. I mean, that's that's an oversimplification. I, I also kind of love the fact that this huge corporation let an artist kind of take their intellectual property and kind of be very subversive. That's what I like about it. But yeah, you can't deny that fact about it either. Just because you might look, once again, it goes back to the discourse. Like, just because you might have a connection, which I have a connection to it, doesn't mean you can discount some of the other things that are at play within this film being the center of the plot, right? Um, Like, I love Greta Gerwig. I think she's brilliant, and I'm most happy about the fact that there's a woman filmmaker that has gotten so much credit for this film. I mean, that's a huge deal. Like, we don't have enough women filmmakers out there. Sure. Um, And I just, I think that that's incredible that that's happened. Yeah. Um, So, for me, that's even more important than the actual film. Yeah. It's the the highest grossing film held by a female director ever. It's also the highest grossing film in general that Warner Brothers has ever released, right. which is which is crazy. Crazy. Because um, you know, with that whole six degrees of separation theory, I'm only two degrees of separation away from Greta Gerwig, anyways. Uh, right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, well, that might be a good place to ask the, the six questions, if I can okay. remember them. Yes. Um, it's the lightning yes. round. The okay, end. lightning round. Um, when I did, I recorded last week with uh, Brian Serling, and I couldn't remember one of them, so we finished recording, and then I went and found my notes, and I was like, ah, this is the other one. Uh, so I'm going to see if I can remember do you have your notes with you? I do. Okay, but, good. Yeah, um, so, do you remember the very first concert you went to? Yes. That's the face that most people make when they, you know. Oh, it's so embarrassing. But I think that's like, I don't know, I feel like embarrassing stories can be so much more interesting than like cool stories. What do you got? Dog smack. Okay. Yep. Older metal band, you know, I grew up 
elements into a lot of metal. During that era, a lot of them incorporated a lot of elements to that. And now, like, now that it's been like 15, 20 years beyond that, a lot of, you know, like digital magazines will go back and kind of do an overview of a band's entire career. And there's always the like, and here's the new metal phase of this. And it's like, yeah, I, um, like the Limp Biscuit. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there was, it was like two years ago where there was kind of like a resurgence, a Limp Biscuit resurgence. Yeah, I saw that. Where like, people were like, oh, it's it's actually cool to admit that you like Limp Biscuit and, you know, we're actually great because of this, this, and this. And I'm just like, great. Uh, it might be too generous of a word, but. Yeah. Um, I used to work at the Hampton Beach Casino Ballroom, and Seven Dust plays there pretty yeah. much every every summer. A couple summers I worked there, they played twice. Yeah. Um, but pretty much any time that they played, Sully would come up, you know, from from Rivia on his motorcycle and just like sit. And uh, it was funny because a lot of the security guards just thought. He was he was the coolest dude. Yeah. He's not. He's, he's a huge asshole. That's what but, my husband said. Yeah. 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 He's, which which is too bad. But and, and it's funny because I have this I have this weird sort of like I love the guys in Seven Dust. Like they're mm-hmm. really really nice people. Yeah. And like, but I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I don't know if I really like this band, but I like these people. Like, and it's fun. And like, I don't I don't dislike Seven Dust, but I'm like, I think my affectation for this band has way more to do with the people who made the music than the music itself. Which, um, yeah. Which is okay too. Yeah. You know? um, I never got into Seven Dust. Yeah. My husband likes them. He tries to claim that they're not new metal. Like he has this whole thing. Oh, they're 100. I know. He he's so funny because he's like they're not new metal, and I'm just like just just because you like them doesn't make them not new metal. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> do you remember Puddle of Mud? <laughs> I do. I do. I, it's funny. I have a I have a friend who you know she's younger than us. She's and she's obsessed with like she listens to a lot of heavy music and she likes a lot of stuff from like the 70s like Leonard Skinner and Motorhead and stuff like that but she's like Puddle of Mud is one of the bands that she's obsessed with and I'm like I'm like you were you were like two when they were like how did this happen yeah you know like, like I said, like the younger generation, because they were younger, had this like different relationship with new metal. But we also, to be fair, in the '90s, there was some pretty bad, like early, you know, grunge wannabe music oh, yeah. oh, that I definitely like yeah. that are not good. Like I'm sure, like people from that that are older than us um, think that it's lame. Yeah, you know. But like, I like it. Sure. You know. There's definitely stuff that. I listen to that's considered lame. I I can't think of any new metal that I'm like I'll, I'll die on that hill for. But like I will, I'll stand by my love of Def Leppard for you know. Oh, I like I like Def Leppard too. Um, yeah. And my husband is like, oh, I can't believe you listen to Def Leppard. 
Guns N' Roses is much better. And I'm like, I like Guns N' Roses too. I'm a huge Guns N' Roses fan too, but there's something about, and it's funny because Def, Le- Def Leppard and Guns N' Roses actually were the... So I, I grew up in a pretty strict religious household, yeah. and I wasn't allowed to listen to like secular music growing up. And once I got to junior high, I started like buying my own music. And my parents knew that I liked heavy music, so one year for Christmas they gave me a Striper tape. Do you remember Striper? No, I don't. So they're a Christian like glam metal bands. Oh, um, no, I don't know that. That's, that's the best way to uh, to appreciate Striper is not listen to them. <laughs> But I also bought Def Leppard's Pyromania and Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction, which were very much contraband. I would not have been allowed to listen to them. So I hid them in the garage, and every Saturday I had to mow the lawn. So I would go out with my Walkman and my Striper cassette, go into the garage, switch it out, out, and one Saturday it would be Hysteria, one Saturday it would be Appetite for Destruction. So those two like are like building blocks of my whole like, musical awesome. foundation. So like I love Def Leppard, but specifically Hysteria. Yeah. Um, and I've talked to like people who work in sound engineering and stuff like that about like what an actual literal masterpiece the like the construction of that album like whether or not someone likes it or not that's fine but like there's so much intentional craftsmanship put into that album yeah. that, like it, it it is a piece of art in and of itself but yeah i'm not as familiar with their albums i know their songs sure um like i know more guns and roses albums yeah sure well i mean most Def Leppard songs that you'll hear on the radio are from that album yeah yeah even 35 years later um but uh number two Beatles or Stones If you have a write-in answer, if it's neither, you know, who would you who would you pick? Okay, well, I don't know. Honestly, like, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Uh, Get Off of My Cloud was my first favorite song I ever had. Interesting. Yeah, I used to sing that song all the time. I loved that song so much. Um, my dad had it on cassette, and um, we'd go in the car and listen to it together all the time. Uh I mean, there's so many good and bad aspects of both bands sure. that it's really hard to say. Because you think of, like, the Beatles' White Album, you're like, okay, amazing. And, like, Sgt. Pepper's amazing. And then, like, Rolling Stones, you know, Exile on, what is it? Main Street. Main Street, yeah. I can't remember. Sticky Fingers, right? Yeah. Um, you have all those albums. And it's like... I had Hot Rocks. That yep. was my favorite with all the hits on it. Oh, yeah. That one's a great, great album. Um, I, I think now I would say Beatles, yep. but I think when I was younger, for sure, for many, many years, probably up until my mid 20s, I would say Rolling Stones. Yep. But Beatles now, just because I think about 
how they've, like Abbey Road, I love Abbey Road, like just like how they've kind of developed as musicians and then um, Jimi Hendrix's influence on them and how yeah. they totally shifted everything they did, which they really owe a lot to him. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I'd say that. Fair enough. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. That's uh, I've been asking these questions. You're you're number fourteen this season. I've asked everyone on this season. I've only gotten one Star Trek. So. Well, I liked watching Star Trek when I was a kid with my dad. Yeah. But, um, no Star Wars. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, 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 it'll come as a surprise to no one. I think to find out that I'm also Star Wars. Yeah. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Yep. Knew that would be the answer too. I love cats though. Yeah. It's pretty close to equal. Like if anything, it's like 60% dogs, 40% cats. Because I've had cats and I love cats. Yeah. But they're different types of relationships. Right. Exactly. And I love them both. Yeah. Um, It doesn't have to be like number one of all time, but what's a favorite book of yours? Oh boy. Or something that you read recently that you like. Um thinking right now. I'm sorry. No, it's totally it's totally it's totally okay. I um Um I'm really bad with names on the fly. Uh, well, full disclosure, it, the last time I actually read a book, like sat down and read it, other than rereading Brian's 50-page book uh, for last week's podcast, it's been like years since I've actually read a book. Because anytime I would have to sit down and read, yeah, I'm usually going to use that time to paint. Yes. You know what I mean? I feel... Another one that I read of his that was really good too. Um, I have to, like, I'm so bad with names. I, I have like lists of names so yeah. I don't forget. Sure. <laughs> um, my life is art. That one was my favorite. Life is art. So it's like a collection of all the um, criticisms that he's done of different artists, like different um, write-ups that he's had, because yep. he works for um, New York Magazine, and he does a lot of, you know, critiques yeah. and stuff, but it's like a write-up of all these different people, I think, since the early 90s, maybe, or mid-90s, I can't remember, yeah. but it was, it's just brilliant, like, all the artists that he talks about and how he, like, communicates what he saw and his ideas and he incorporates a lot of his um his his own history in the book too nice yeah nice so I guess those two nice I'll have to check those out and perhaps the most important question of the whole conversation 
What's your favorite dinosaur? Uh, Velociraptor. Nice, nice. I like I like the whole thing with like flying around. I'm into that. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, uh, it's been great as always. Yeah. To sit and talk nice. with you. I'm uh, hoping to be able to check out your show. I don't know if I'll be able to make it to the opening, but okay. it looks like I have plenty of time, you know, yes. between now and January to check it out. Yeah, definitely. So, and awesome. I'll have my book, too, my little booklet that I'll be selling. So. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure. As always. Thank Thanks you, Sam. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, awesome.